0: Hello, and welcome to the Holistic Fitness Podcast, where you'll learn to get your goals without burning out. I'm your host, Laurie, and this show isn't just about movement and nutrition. You probably already know that exercise and nutrition is important for your mental and physical health and well being. It's also about stress management, mindset, shedding those limiting beliefs, and working through some of that childhood trauma while you're at it. Today, I'm joined by Jeevan Matharu. Jeevan is an author and transformational coach and a financial advisor. He's been published in the Times newspaper for being one of the top financial advisors in 2021. He ranks 16th in the UK for his weight division in judo, and he has an IQ in the top 2% of the world. He was actually expelled from school for bad behavior. But is a lifelong learner on topics of psychology, philosophy, and he's even written a book about how to become a person of value. He aligns with many of the listeners on the Holistic Fitness podcast because psychology, mindset, and continuous self development are key to getting your goals. Jeevan and I chat about the power of the subconscious mind, whether intelligence actually gets you closer to your goals, and how to use your mind to your benefit. I'm excited to share this one with you all. How is it going, Jeevan?
1: Not too bad, to be fair, Laurie. Um, feeling a little bit bunged up, but other than that, everything's uh, everything's good.
0: <laughs> a little bit bunged up, aren't we all sometimes? Aren't we all? Jeevan, I'm super excited to chat to you today. I know you speak about a bunch of subjects like mentality, success, psychology, um, even touching on like a few personality traits. I really believe that anyone that gets into some sort of self-development, self-help, or wanting to make other people better in some way, is because they've got their own story, what's the context that I need to know about your story to know why you help people in the way that you do now?
1: So I'm going to try and sort of simplify this in, in quite a a, a, a a concise way, let's say. So at school, I was quite smart, and I'm talking about sort of primary school, and went to, to, to a private school, essentially, because I was quite smart. My parents decided, well, you're, you're not really behaving very well. Let's try and put you into a private school. So went to private school, got thrown out of private school, went to university, the same sort of thing happened. Yes, I got my two one. Yes, I did a a good degree in accounting and finance. But you can start to see that it's not just about ability, but it's about your behavior that determines mm. the outcome. So sort of sort of coasted my way through life really. And I came to a realization at probably age twenty-five. I was in a good paying job or, or, or high paying job going across the country for appointments. So driving about six hours a day and having about six hours a day worth of appointments. And I thought to myself, well, am I wasting six hours a day driving, listening to the same old shit tunes that I've been listening to for the last 15 <laughs> yeah. years? And then the second question came, well, what could I listen to instead? What's going to give me the best chance of developing myself using this time that I've got. Because at the end of the day, driving is dead time, isn't it? Mm. So I started to, to to learn things and I was thinking, well, should I learn a language? Should I learn about sales skills? Should I learn about psychology? Should I learn about self-improvement? All these sorts of things. And I started to go on this sort of deep dive down this rabbit hole, learn about Earl Nightingale and Think and Grow Rich and Tony Robbins and um, all these kind of people that help. Brian Tracy helped to give me an insight into understanding that in order to enjoy life, we need to be the best version of ourselves, whether mm. that comes down to physically, emotionally, um, um, uh, sort of um, from a confidence perspective, communication skills, all those sorts of things. And I then started on the journey to develop myself and, and then pass that message on. So I've written a book about becoming a person of value, I, I coach others to help turn themselves around like I've done with myself. And actually, obviously, the, 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 the point of your podcast is about holistic um, health, essentially. And the second chapter in my book, my first book, is about physical health, because without a good physical standpoint, you can't be in a good state mentally, you know, the, mm. the, um, the heart soul, body connection, etc. You need to be in a good position physically. So I think it's really important to start with the physical aspect before you move on to the mental side.
0: Yeah, for sure. It sounds like a super interesting journey. And, you know, often I have people come on the podcast, they might have this, um, they'll say they weren't smart at school, or they had like a whole bunch of weight they had to lose or even overcame cancer or domestic violence, you're kind of the opposite. You've know. you come from actually being quite talented and brilliant and that being valued so much that you felt like maybe you needed to seek these changes and understand some deeper meaning in life. I'm sure a lot of people listening to the podcast, they maybe can't relate to some of that really big trauma. Can you tell me more about your journey of being quite clever and brilliant and how that didn't serve you in life?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually a member of Mensa as well. So for people who who know what Mensa is, it, it, that's fine. For people who don't, it's a top 2% of IQ entry requirement. So you have to do a few tests and obviously if you get in, you're, you're accepted. So what intelligence is, is the processing speed that you have or memory retention or whichever metric you want to consider as IQ. That is what's called fluid intelligence. And then you also get general intelligence, which is things that you've learned over the years that then build up into a portfolio. Mm. The the, the good thing about intelligence is that it helps you to, as we've said, to to gather information and analyze it very, very fast. But what it maybe masks is the softer skills that you need in order to become successful. Mm. The determination, the diligence, the organization skills, the networking skills, the persistence skills the planning skills, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you get to a point in life, if you look at like a, a, a graph, for example, where ability will only get you so far. Yeah, And it came to that point in my life where I'm like, well, there are people who aren't as smart as me, but doing as well, if not better than me. What are they doing? Well, they're mm-hmm. actually revising. They're not just going to example with no revision. They're planning things. They are sacrificing, excuse me, friendship, uh, activities for extra time revising, even gym wise. You know, people who were at that age going to the gym two, three times a week were not as naturally athletic as myself, but got themselves into a good physical shape. So mm. it's what I came to realize is it's about developing softer skills and also having a daily routine that will get you somewhere. So, for example, let's say I'm going to do a marathon in twelve months' time. If I was to watch Netflix every day for those 12 months, I'm probably not going to be able to do the marathon. But if mm. I say, okay, what do I need to be able to do by month one, by month two, by month three, four, five, six, twelve, 12, and then plan the daily habits in order to get there. So, okay, day one or week one, probably a mile a day will be sufficient. Month two, again, I'm just making these figures up as I go along, but you get the gist. It might be that, okay, well, we need to be able to get 30 miles in a week in the legs. And and you plan it that way. And then you will have checkpoints. You say, well, actually, where did I expect to be versus where I am? What do I need to change? And I came to realize that you yourself are a business. If you are in your best physical shape, psychological state, emotional state, you can communicate the best you can. You can can sell the best you can because, look, Rolling in sales whether we like it or not yeah whether you can be uh, show gratitude where you can get up in the morning and and be energized and motivate yourself all of those things sort of come into one as an individual to be your best self so I thought well I've read Think and Grow Rich I've read some of these other books but I've not found one book that encompasses all those different sort Mm. of chapters or areas in one so I ended up writing writing the book to to sort of See if I could provide that value to others. Because what I realized is that you can look for an above-average job with an above average pay, but without being an above average person. That's called frustration, as Jim Rohn puts it. So in order to, to, to you know, if everyone wants to be rich and they want to be successful, etc. Mm-hmm. But if you focus on the monetary side, you won't become rich. You have to focus on the value side. What value are you bringing Podcasts, okay, what information are we giving out? Is it an entertaining podcast? Is it an informational podcast? Is it a combination of both? Et cetera, et cetera. So that's sort of, I know I've gone on a, on a bit of a rant there, I suppose, but that's essentially how I've got to where I've got to.
0: No, you've shared so many golden nuggets and you're so right. It's difficult to package all these things up. I love what you said there with regards to like the softer skills, because I always saw it as softer skills to be like interactions with other people, like the emotional intelligence. But I just didn't necessarily like think about the determination and I'm not going to lie. I was a smart kid too. And I could... um I could just listen to the teacher. I pay really close attention when I was in class and I'd learned so much that when it came to actually doing my physics assignment, I wouldn't start till the night before and then get an A or an A- and do quite well. And um, I actually think that being smart set me up to be lazy and I needed to personally learn how to not be lazy, how to not procrastinate, how to project manage. And in my opinion, being smart definitely isn't all it's cracked up to be. But with regards to processing, yeah, it's great. Um, Something that you shared just then that I really do want to dive into is the value. So you mentioned that it's not about how much you necessarily are receiving in terms of earning, but how much value you can provide. I think this sense of like purpose and value is so hard for so many people. And it's why we see like quarter-life crises. And how would you suggest that somebody finds what their value is?
1: Okay. So I think a really nice example of of value is Amazon. So Amazon Mm -hmm. is one of the most successful businesses in the world currently. And people say, well, I want to be the next Amazon. Okay. But can you get pretty much any product you want to the door of an individual the same day or the next day. Yep. If you can't do that, that convenience value, as it, as it were, that's not going to be the business value that you're going to bring. Mm-hmm. So as an individual, we need to establish what value we, we can bring forward. So, for example, I'm, not, I'm never going to be a sprinter. I could love sprinting. I could train to be a sprinter every day, but I'm not six foot four. And I'm not of that ethnicity that's going to allow me to be fast at running. People can say, oh, you can't say that, but we can look at the facts. That's just how Fast switch
0: muscle fibres.
1: <laughs> this is it. This is it. So, I mean, if you look at the, just a side topic, if you look at the track events or the finals versus the swimming events, you know, you can see the difference there. Mm. So, you, first of all, we have to establish where our strengths lie. Are you a physical specimen? Can you go into to sports, your, your golf, your footballs, your, your tennis, etc.? Can you go into speaking? Are you an extrovert? Do you have good speaking skills? Are you good analytically? Are you good on a, on a Rubik's Cube? Are you good on on laptop, on a PC? Are you good at maths? We need to establish what sort of skill set we have. There are, I think there's about seven or eight types of intelligence. So linguistic intelligence, musical intelligence, physical, spatial intelligence, emotional intelligence, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Mm. But there's
1: also personality types. So yeah. are you... A counsellor? Are you an analyst? Are you a an entertainer? And then there's a th- third part: is what do you value as a as a, a legacy, or what do you want to be known as? Once mm. you can put, put all of that in the cauldron and you concoct yourself a a, a, um, a dilute to drink, that's what's going to be your purpose. That's going to be your ideal. What's called icky guy um mm. as the Japanese call it, where it's a mixture between what you're good at, what, what the world needs, um, and what you can be paid for essentially. But a lot of the time the money comes afterwards. Mm-hmm. Because we'll use Roger Federer as an example. He didn't go out to be a tennis player thinking, I'm gonna make loads of money, man. I'm gonna be a millionaire. Yeah, I'm gonna be getting all the girls and all this sort of stuff. He was a tennis player because he loved what he was doing and he was good at it. It was mm. it was a nice matchup there, which he sacrificed a lot for. He did probably didn't go out drinking that much. He didn't go to, to do any, any education. He um, uh, didn't have jobs, so he probably had low income earlier on. But he had the value there of himself being very good at tennis that then brings in the sponsors, the um, the ability to, to get paid prize money, etc. Mm. So he didn't focus on the monetary side, he focused on the value side. And yeah. yes, you're going to say, well, that's an extreme example, but... Even if we look at a normal nine to five job, who gets paid the most? Is it the administration clerk who doesn't really care about the job, or is it the person who goes above and beyond, the one that brings most revenue in in terms of sales? For example, they're going to get paid the most. So
2: mm.
1: you can ask yourself these questions: What value can I give to people that's going to allow me to get paid? Cleaning cleaning someone's house, uh, someone's house, for example. You are giving a value, you're making something dirty clean. And it also allows that that person to do other things while you're cleaning for them, if that makes sense. So there's loads of ways you can make value. And to answer your question directly, it depends on what you feel that you can bring to the Mm. table, what you can physically bring,
2: uh, if that makes sense.
0: You provided so many great examples there. It's, it's getting realistic with the values that you can provide. It's understanding your personal personality type, your strengths, and also, um, you know, some of the physiological things as well that, you know, makes you talented at what you do. I'm curious, can you provide me your examples? So what are your strengths, personality type, and how has that got you to, you know, writing the, these incredible books, speaking on podcasts? Um, I'd love to hear your real life example.
1: So for me, again, if we look at at school, I probably went down the wrong channel, in in all fairness. Um, I did (laughs) a degree in accounting and finance. Again, we can use me as a prime example. I did that based on the potential monetary um, uh, future income I could Mm. receive, for example. So you look at, you know, you go on the salary calculators, don't you, as you do, oh, what does this person get paid? What does this person get paid? What I realised, and this came a little bit later on, is that... People get paid loads in all industries. You can be a psychologist and get paid more. Like Jordan Peterson gets paid more than the average accountant by mm-hmm. a long shot because he knows what he does and he's good at it. So yeah. I came to realise, okay, well, I went through this process. What are my skill sets? What do I enjoy doing? Um, one of the things that I actually have is not necessarily a teacher like uh, intelligence, but someone who can take complex ideas and make them quite simple. I had a meeting mm-hmm. last night for, for clients helping them to retire. And so we've had about 10 people out and you've explained it the best because if you can't explain something very simply, you don't understand it well enough.
2: Mm.
1: So that's, I think, for me, an area that I have, which if you're coaching someone, if you're writing a book, yeah, if you can explain something simply in an area that you enjoy, which I enjoy self-improvement in psychology as examples, which sort of intertwine, that's sort of where... Uh, well, how I've got to where I've got to if I answered your question, Nori.
0: Yeah. Just out of curiosity, what <laughs> what personality type are you in terms of the, and you don't have to share this, the 16 personalities. I know you mentioned like entertainer and stuff like that. I'm curious if we're the same.
1: Yeah. So um, I've actually got two answers, but um, because obviously, depending on when you do it and the mood you're in, you're going to get slightly yeah, different yeah. answers. But I've got INFJ and ENFJ.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay, we're not the same. I really hope a 15 year old's listening to this, because I'm going to share mine now as well. Um, I'm a campaigner, so ENFP, okay. but I can also switch over to the entertainer, ESFP, depending on okay. what's going on in my life, but mostly the ENFP. And um, I have a really similar story to you. I went and studied biomedical science because I'm like, oh yeah, I'll do like pre med, then post med, become a doctor, earn lots of money. And my skills are like chatting to people, making complex ideas really simple, collaborating. So collaborating, so I should have done business. But the ego's so big at seventeen. I'm like, oh, all the kids that didn't get good grades go to go do business because they don't know what to do. Um, yeah. It's not the same as America, by the way. In America, they have a system where you don't have to choose a major till you're like twenty or something. But um, in Australia, you're sixteen when you choose. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just think that's a really interesting story with regards to like the expectation we have when we're younger, and then growing and finding what value we can provide based on our natural strengths.
1: But like as you said there, which I think is a key one the extroversion versus introversion. Mm. If you're you're an extrovert, you're probably best not to be an accountant where you're sitting in front of a (laughs) a, a PC 24-7, you've got no connection with the outside world, and you're like, I just need to fucking talk to someone. Whereas if you're the other way around and you're an introvert, it's probably best that, I mean, both can do each other's jobs. Yeah, I'm not saying that they can't. But if you're someone who really doesn't have that good social skills and you're not really that articulate Mm. and you're not that confident, you're an introvert, it, it, and it doesn't mean to say that just because you're an introvert, you're not confident. That's You that's can a, build it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, You're probably not best in the realms of public speaking, salesman, et cetera, et cetera. So where, where, where are you going to be best? A, is a shark going to, be, going to be best climbing a tree or is it going to be best in the ocean? That's the questions that you have to ask yourself because everyone has a little bit of jealousy even though it's such a bad trait thinking oh i wish i was i was a tennis player as good as him i wish i was a football player as good as them
2: mm.
1: i wish i was a doctor like this person i wish i had a business like this guy but they are doing things that elevate their pre their their sort of persona their personality sometimes we need to understand what ours is and elevate ourselves so that people are jealous of what we've got because at the end of the day, people are jealous of whatever you've got. You know, if if like you've got a, a full set of hair, you've got a podcast, people who haven't got hair and haven't got a podcast are already jealous of those two things. You're living mm. in the USA, some people are living in Afghanistan, Syria, um, obviously had a, an earthquake I, I, around there recently as well. So already you've got three things there, Just and I don't even like know the ins and outs of your life, in, in all fairness, that people are jealous of. Like, for example, me, I've got a house, I've got a car, dogs, running a few businesses, on podcasts, got books out, got another book coming out, et cetera, et cetera. Top 16 in judo in the UK at the end of last year, et cetera. People are jealous of those things, so I need to be grateful for them Mm. and understand that they're my things because I enjoy them and I'm good at them, if that makes sense. I think Mm. that's a really key thing for me.
0: Yeah. Personally, I find gratitude really hard, even though I know how blessed I am. What's your relationship been like with gratitude?
1: So, so things, things like that. That's how I think about things. I'm saying, okay, what have I got? That okay, two, two, twofold. One, five years ago, what did you want?
2: Love
1: so that. So, five years ago, I said, I want a house. I want to start my own business. I want to be uh, speaking a podcast. I want books to be out. I've got those things now. So. I should be grateful that five years ago I really wanted those. Yes, you know, I want other things now, but I should be grateful Mm. for what I've got. Two is obviously, as I said, the jealousy side. I think about it that way. And I'm 33 now, I've got a full head of hair. Well There's people who, I know, exactly, I've got friends (laughs) who are bald. And like even simple things like that, I know that it's not really a nice thing to say, but they're like, oh, I wish I had a full head of hair still. Yeah. I'm five foot ten, my brother's six foot. I'm like, oh, well... They're, hard, they're taller than me you know it's just it's just how the cookie crumbles you're always mm-hmm. going to be jealous of someone else or something else but you should be grateful grateful for what you have because you have a blessing and as I said if we look at five years ago if you actually think about it you're probably where you thought you would be and you're still not happy I mean how does that work yeah,
0: exactly you're always not going to be it Happy. I love that framing as well. I often say three years ago, but five years ago, it's even an even larger reframing of how you can think of even more gratitude. And I find with fitness, um, if folks can be grateful for what they can do in the gym like i can walk through the doors of the gym i can squat i can wear you know whatever they're wearing maybe they don't they don't want to wear the booty shorts yet but they feel comfortable wearing <laughs> leggings but 5 years ago they didn't even feel comfortable wearing leggings um yeah. not that i i think any size should be comfortable wearing booty shorts but in re- in reality <laughs> some people just aren't and that's okay um that sense of gratitude can be applied to so many different areas of life and goals
1: yeah, I mean uh, your gym gym example is fantastic because I've had injuries from from judo et etc yes. where i a shoulder and I can't do, you know, pull-ups, for example, but I can go and I can do other exercises. So you have to sort of manage the issues in your life. And we'll use obviously the gym as, as an example there. Sometimes you can't do certain things for certain reasons, but you can you can't use that as an excuse not to do something. You just have to change how you do things. So okay, mm. oh my arms are sore but your legs work, you know, get yourself down and do some squats or some cycling or whatever. Oh, my knees are bad. Okay, that's fine. Maybe swimming there. Because swimming's quite soft on the joints. So it's a very excuse-based, or people are very excuse-based. So mm. and I think it's how they talk to themselves. So the mind can't comprehend the negative. So if I say to you, look, don't think of pink elephants. Even <laughs> if you are not to, a pink elephant pops into your head.
0: It's really so, cute too, my little pink elephant. Yeah, just floating got, through the air right now.
1: <laughs> got earrings on and, and probably some maxi dress, I don't know. Anyway, little
0: pink clouds.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But if we think about it logically, if we say to ourselves, I don't want to be fat, mm. you're still associating yourself with being fat.
2: Yes. I
1: don't want to be fat. I don't want to smoke. I don't want to be poor. In, I don't want to be single. Instead, how about I want a relationship, I want to be athletic, I want to be healthy, etc. They're much more powerful than saying I don't want something. One is because, as I said, the words get absorbed into your subconscious mind.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: two, if you say I want a relationship versus I don't want to be single, which of those is going to force you to take more action? If you say, I want a relationship, you're like, well, I'm going to have to go on to dates, I'm going to have to um, find someone I want to have a relationship with. Whereas I don't mm. want to be single, you're like, I'll take anything. That's how you sort of think about it. If yeah. I'm smoking versus not smoking, if I say, I'm not smoking or I don't want to smoke, you're still thinking about smoking. Mm. If you are saying I want to be an athlete or I am an athlete, the, the subconscious thinks, athletes don't smoke. Therefore, you do things that athletes do. Athletes run, athletes go to the gym, athletes don't Oh sorry this is again this is how bad the brain is. you always think, <laughs> don't. you they will go to 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 do calisthenics ex et, et cetera. They'll manage their diet correctly, they'll drink plenty of fluids. That's mm. how athlete behaves so I think it's how you view things and how you reframe things that makes you move forward example another example business or a podcast I've started a podcast as well recently um only about seven episodes in. Because That's I've been a the guest, so, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Because I'm the guest on so many, I was like, well, might as well start my own one as well. Same.
0: But yeah.
1: If you go into the podcast thinking, oh, what if I'm shit? What if no one listens to it? What if it fails? You're probably not going to start it. Yeah. But is it business as well? It, oh, what if I lose money? What if it doesn't work? Et cetera, et cetera. You're probably not going to start it. If you look at the, the pessimistic side, which that is, you're not going to start something. If you look at the optimistic side and the upside, oh, what if I can quit my nine-to-five job because a podcast blows up? What if I get some fantastic guests on? Maybe they find a business partner, a relationship from it. Maybe they find someone who can help them uh, promote something, their services, for for example, or they just build a great podcast, whatever Mm. it is. That's an upside that you need to look at. If you think in that way, you're more likely to start your show, aren't you?
2: Yeah, so for
1: sure. sometimes, even if we have to trick ourselves into thinking a certain way, that allows us to act first. Like One of the Stoic phrases that comes to mind is like, first you win the battle in your mind before you even go to war. You have mm. to think that you've won something first before you go into to battle. It's the same thing. We've got to think something will succeed before doing it because everything's finished in the mind before we start it. The house that you're living in was finished in the mind of an architect before it was built. And what can you design in your mind before you build it?
0: Hey, Holistic Fitness fam. A quick message from one of our sponsors, Ned. As you all know, I recommend good nutrition, movement, and stress management practices before supplementing so you know what type of supplementation that your body actually needs. For me, I supplement with very few products, but Ned is one of them. I'm a type A, high-energy, ambitious business girly with massive goals. And sometimes I honestly just need to chill out and relax a bit. I've found that both Ned's de-stress and sleep blends fit in with my busy lifestyle and ambitious goals, but I was honestly not a big fan of CBD products before trying Ned, mostly because of the culture surrounding weed. I just didn't want something that was going to alter my state of mind so that I became much less of a goalgetter getter or less ambitious. That was until I learned about full-spectrum hemp and their benefits. Ned blends a chock full of premium CBD and a full-spectrum hemp of active cannabinoids. Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. All of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. I'm obviously a big fan, but don't take just my word for it. Ned CBD products have over 2,000 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners in the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole. Ned is providing Holistic Fitness podcast listeners a very special discount. If you'd like to give Ned a try, listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code LORILEE. L-O-R-I-L-E-E. Thanks, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering a natural remedy to bring balance to so many people's well-being. Michelangelo, maybe? He always said that it wasn't him creating the sculpture he he was allowing it to be created so he already knew it and he was just chipping it away i love that positive refraining that you just shared and it actually raises another point for me when you think in that way and this is a personal example so i with this podcast knew it wouldn't fail because i um I'm in senior leadership for an e-commerce company and a lot of my role includes one-on-ones with team members um you know even when a new kind of initiative is brought asking lots of questions and it's like I just ask questions all day I can continue to ask questions and validate people and stuff like that's what I do at work 40 40 to 50 hours per week and I had somebody tell me I'll believe it when I see it and it was somebody really close to me and <laughs> That person was dead to me when they said that. To be honest, when you do have that um, that positive reframing of something, you don't allow the negativity to affect you. And I do find with weight loss and exercise specifically, something that can really throw people off is, you know, Jenny from accounts being like, "Oh, such and such isn't having a muffin because she's on a diet." Or, you know, all of these sorts of limiting beliefs that other people will project to you. And you're almost immune to them when you can be really focused on something because, again, you know that you're sharing your value and strengths.
1: Yeah, well, if you wouldn't take advice from a person, why the fuck do you care what they say? That's, that's I, the that. I would <laughs> like you. If you want to take advice from Jenny, who's from Fat Whale, you know, why are you going to listen to her about, about a biscuit, essentially? So I think that's a, a really good way to think about it. Because Mm. at the end of the day, we have to be able to manage our own mind in order to uh, move forward with things. As you said about the the podcast, starting that, you knew it was going to to succeed. That's the best way to actually act on your instinct or or what you need to do.
0: Yeah, I think what we...
1: Taking on uh, people's opinions, basically.
0: For sure, yeah. I think what we haven't spoken about yet is how do you get to that mindset? So, you know, we've spoken about positive reframing. We've spoken about having a habit every single day, but a lot of people struggle to actually implement that habit and build that self confidence. So, how do you kind of like reframe your mind in a way that's conducive to success?
1: Well, you first have to understand what your mind does as a default. So, yeah. let's say that your, your car breaks down on your drive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You can look at the negatives, it's going to cost money. I, you know, I'm going to have to get a taxi places, et cetera. Or you can look at the positive side and say, well, actually, it's going to break down. It's had an issue for a while. I'm lucky it didn't break down, for example, in the middle of the outback and wait yeah. there for 24 hours. So there's always positives that you can look at. And I think that's a really good starting place because it helps you to consciously change the default that your mind thinks of. Mm. so your mind will think of oh it's only one drink oh it's just the one takeaway today oh today it's just the one day off the gym that's the automatic sort of default that your mind Mm. goes to that's the negative the avoidance mentality and we have to try and override that so when we try or practice the negative to positive it allows us to build, as we said, the softer skills, the resilient skills, the self-talk skills that allow us to then use it in other areas of life. So I think that's for me would would be where I start um, and then have the discipline to follow through on your, your daily routine, essentially.
0: For sure. Yeah. What's the number one thing you see that gets in the way of people's success?
1: So one of the major fears, imposter syndrome. So that's yeah. where people think that they're not good enough, basically fear of failure, fear of success fear of being judged by others, all all of the basic stuff. But it's how that bespoke or how that fits bespokely to your life, if that makes sense, because it could Mm. be something very specific that you need to sort of change. Um, Or it's maybe a self-esteem issue, as I've said, in terms of fear of success. You maybe can't see yourself being that type of person. You've always been a a Joe Schmo, Joe Average, and you actually can't see things changing. You can't Mm. see things changing. You know, it's probably, it's probably never going to change for you, is it? So,
0: yeah, for sure. And we're primed to see the negative as well. Where do those stories that we tell ourselves come from? Because I see a lot of clients that will say, Oh, I'm just a bigger person, or Oh, I'm just not very fit. I'm not a runner. I'm not this. I'm not that. Where do those stories come from?
1: Is it the chicken or the egg? I think is, is, the, is, is the question I, I think of. Are you fat because you say, I'm just a big bones person, Mm. or is it the other way around? Because if you look at, if you can dig up all the graves in the world, you're probably not going to see much difference in in terms of skeletal size. Yes, you will Mm. see some discrepancy, but it's not the big bones that's the issue. Yes, you know, you may have a, a slow metabolism than someone else. But if that's the case, and you are an endomorph body type, Maybe you need to to adjust your diet more than someone who's ectomorph who, a little bit like myself, I can eat shit if I want to, and I won't really put on the weight. Yeah. But that doesn't mean to say it's, it's unhealthy for me. It's, sorry, it's not unhealthy for me. Sometimes that will go on your, your, your organs instead of externally. Whereas because I know some fat people who are actually very healthy cardiovascularly, they're very mm-hmm. fit because they store everything externally. And not on their organs, so they breathe well, their their heart's good, etc. So, coming back to your question, are you where you are because of the story you tell, or vice versa? So if you tell yourself, look, I'm a successful person who gets things done, um, I'm actually very fit, I go to the gym, you're going to behave like that. It's one of the things I, I read actually recently about managing people. Instead of always pointing out their issues, you're messy, you're unorganised, this, that and the other, it's better Mm. to actually say, thank you for your patience today, or thank you for being exceptional at this particular thing today. Because what happens is the person wants to uh, revalidate that statement over and over again. So if you say, thanks for being really organised today, thanks for doing the extra mile today, thanks for closing the deal today, et cetera, instead of looking at the negative side, that person will increase exponentially because they want to fit in to the person you've created. Mm. So if that works for someone managing you, surely it works the same for you managing yourself.
0: Mm. That's a really good point because in leadership, for me, I make it a really big point to share more positives than negatives. So really... Understanding the places where people have grown, so let's just say it's you know managing expectations you know this person has grown so much yeah there's some some holes we still need to poke, but they're going to be more receptive to those holes um, and also you can frame them in a really positive way as well um, if you're always poking holes, people become disempowered, including ourselves. I love that point, you know if you want to. If you want to increase your efficiency or become a better person, you've really got to treat yourself like you would treat a direct report if you're in leadership.
2: Yeah.
1: And you said about weaknesses there. I don't like the word weaknesses because I look Mm. at it as areas of improvement. Yeah,
0: opportunities. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Areas to improve. Now, this is another good point. Is there's two types of areas of improvement or weaknesses for those who still want to call it weaknesses. There are related weaknesses, related areas of improvement, and there are unrelated weaknesses or areas of improvement. So mm. if you're a tennis player and you've got a great serve and you've got a great forehand, but your backhand needs some work, that's a related area of required improvement because it's related to your primary goal. So what if Roger Federer can't do fucking physics? Doesn't matter. Yeah. He, he has a weakness. <laughs> but there's no people say work on your weaknesses. It depends if it's related or unrelated. So mm. say, well actually the worst thing I am at in the world is physics. Let me stop playing tennis and work on my physics um, because I've been told to work on my weaknesses. Yeah. If it's related weakness, however, so if you're a salesman, you know you need to work on how to, to to speak better. If you're a writer, you know what's the one part of writing that you need to work on? If you're a podcast host, what's the one part that you need to improve on? Like, for example, for me, I've just started a podcast. I've listened back to my podcast. There are a number of things I need to improve on, but it's only seven episodes in. So it's yeah. more, how do I improve that moving forward? What, how do I get better at questioning? How do I get better, better at bringing the conversation back in? How do I speak slower? Because I know that I can go off some fucking stupid runs. So, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. But it's always looking at the end goal and what part of that cog is, is not pulling its weight, if that makes mm. sense.
0: It makes total sense. And it really reminds me of a conversation I had today with somebody who doesn't like doing legs. and. I said to them, you know, integrate legs into a circuit at the end of chest day or back day. You know, that's something you can do, but getting better at legs for their goals and training legs in some capacity is a related opportunity because they're wanting to holistically get healthy. Whereas, you know, if it's just, I don't know, something completely random like becoming a better speaker, yet, like, yeah, that's an opportunity, but not related to health goals at all. I, I love that differentiation that you provided.
1: Yeah, because like I like to think about. I'm a bit weird like that. I think about you know these m- people's major phrases or how, like you said before, how people just say things they don't really think about what that actually means in real terms. So I actually had a thought the other day: is like, why do years get faster as we as we go through life? Yeah. So every year faster and faster. I had the thought because if you look online, it's not really answered. It's it's something to do with oh well um Routines become—you um, get more used to the routine, so time goes faster. I said, no, it must be that at age four, a year is twenty-five percent of your life, but at at, fi- at sixty, a year is the sixtieth of your life. So you just blow my mind. <laughs> a year is like proportionately less. That's why it feels faster. And I said that to someone the other day, and they were like, "Fucking hell, I've never thought of it
2: like that."
0: Yeah, fuck me. I don't, I never thought of that either. I was thinking, oh, yeah, I know what he's going to say. It's because we have the same experiences all the time, because it really does speed up as you get older. And I'm like, why is it going so fast? I'm learning new things.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, but I found out, well, not found out, as in I asked myself, why is it? And that I've, I've come up with that. And I don't think there's a, it has to be that because it's, mm. it's relative. Like it a, makes sense. A a day is relatively less as part of your overall life Every every day, every year, every week. A week yeah. is less relative and a year is less relative. So that's why it tends to speed up. Um, but coming back to what, what you said, the reason that it's important to look at things is because even if, like, for example, science has been there forever, people come along and pick it open and realise that the whole fucking thing was wrong. Yeah. So, can you do that to yourself? Can you do that for, for you know, even Marx, Ray's stoicism? Can you look at it and think, do you know what? I agree with it 95%, but there's something I disagree with and try and improve upon it. Yeah. Um, and whether that goes into the ether and it goes viral or it becomes a Nobel Prize or whatever, it doesn't really fucking matter. What matters is that you understand for yourself what's true to you and what what really works.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's generating that sense of curiosity in all facets of your life. Questioning, what do I need to iterate on? What's going well? How can I elevate what's going well? And I don't necessarily think we're taught to be curious about things. We're still taught to follow orders. And, and it's, it's a mindset shift to change and become more curi- curious about things.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you think of kids, so you, I think you touched on it there really is that we're, we're trained in a way to take the benefits of being a kid out of us. So kids mm. ask questions, how long are we going to take to we get there? What's this? What's that? What does this do? Why do we do this? When we get to school, we are programmed to believe that asking questions makes us look thick.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We are programmed to believe that asking others is cheating when it's really just networking and um, using resources. We're told to listen to authority. Yeah, and not asking any questions. So all these, and if we fail, it's a bad thing. When failure is good, as we know in life. So we are programmed in a way to act opposite to how we should act. Yeah. So I think before we came on air, you spoke about your your journal um, mm-hmm. as well. Go- the goal getting
2: journey. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm writing something uh, like a, a question a day that people can write in. So where do I want to be in three to five years? And um, what personality type am I in? What career should I be doing based on that? Et cetera, et cetera. And you can write down your answers because I'm a strong believer that the questions you ask determine how well you're going to do at something. If you yeah. can't ask the question, well, how do I get better at this? You're never going to think about it. You're, you're never going to think about it. So you've got to ask the questions.
2: Mm. That's the
1: only way that you're actually going to not necessarily get the answer, but actually start thinking about the answer.
2: Mm, like, what is it
1: that? Yeah, yeah. Asking the question. Why am I? Um, wh- like even if you're not going to the gym, why is it that I make excuses?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is it because I hate leg day? As you said, if that is the case, why not take that day away completely and add it to the end of the, the day that you love, which is chest day? So mm-hmm. what that does is it takes away that negative part of the gym, that association completely. You reduce the time doing legs. And you add it onto something you already like, which means that you know, if we look at psychology, for for example, your association is with something good. Yeah. The, yeah. Something bad. the whole the whole um, uh, Skinner box, Skinner's rat box experiment.
0: For sure, definitely, yeah. I, I've just loved the conversation that we've had today, Jeevan, and you have so much knowledge. I think we could honestly talk for like two or three hours. Um, <laughs> Is there anything, before we get on to like a closing question, is there anything that you haven't shared that you feel is really, really important to share today?
1: No, I think we've covered really the main messages is that you need to be your best self. If we look at a tree, for example, it will grow as tall as it can based on the 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 sunlight, the, the soil available, the mm. rain in that particular area and what type of tree it is, of course. We as individuals, as humans, we smoke, we drink, we, we fuck around. We <laughs> need to understand. We're, we're still a, a tree. We, we were a seed at some point, And we have got things that we were designed for or are good at. Yeah. There is the whole determinism versus um, uh, nurture thing. And that's probably a whole different conversation because I believe in, but there's a, there's part of both in there. Um, anyway, we need to become our best self because if you're your best self, you'll have a better life, you'll have a better spouse, you'll have a better family, you'll earn more, you'll feel happier within yourself, you can give more value to the the world. And if you give more value to the world, the world will then be a better place. So Mm. it all starts with you. I think that's probably my final uh, final point really on that.
0: I love that. That's awesome. Closing question. If you were chatting to your 20-year-old self right now, what one sentence of advice would you give him?
2: Um, So... We always talk about
1: going back in time and changing something, don't we? And I get asked this, would you go back and change something? And there's really two answers to that. One is that you'd go back and you'd, I would have done this different degree. I would have changed this. I would have moved here, et cetera. But in reality, you wouldn't change anything because you are here and you are who you are because of the experiences you've gone through.
2: Mm.
1: But if I was to go back to the first one of those two, and say, well, actually, what should you change now to change the trajectory of your life? It would be to be more focused on myself and produce more than you consume.
2: Mm. So if
1: you're consuming something, you're watching Netflix, you're watching the football, you're watching this, you're doing this, you're consuming something. And I'm not saying that consumption is bad because we need to consume things to remain human.
2: Exactly, yeah. Whether it's entertainment
1: or education. But what... Are you producing? Are you producing anything? Are you producing information? Are you producing a podcast as you are? Are you producing books, et cetera? Mm. So even if it's just something very small, we need to produce something because if we don't yeah. produce something, it's 100% consumption. That leads us into the um, uh, gratification cycle and we're after, after the dopamine hits versus producing something of value. So, so that's probably the, sure. the advice I would give myself.
0: Yeah, I think 20-year-old Laurie needed to hear create more than can you consume too. Jeevan, I'm sure so many people have just really enjoyed your conversation. Where can we all find you? Where can we buy your book?
1: Um, so the book's on Amazon. It's called Become a Person of Value. Um, the author name is J.S. Math. I'm sure you're going to leave it in the description. Second book is probably going to be out quarter one this year. It was meant to be out at the end of last year. But as we know, sometimes things can get pushed back. Uh, yep. <laughs> Coach Drive, Vanquish Transformational Coaching again. I'm sure, we'll leave the notes in the description. Other than that, you can follow me on Instagram as well. I've got a Vanquish Transformational twenty twenty two account. Um, in the thousands of subscribers now, I'm just posting random videos just to help you out and just some interesting thoughts, really. So, so yeah, that's probably the best place to find me. And I
0: love that. Obviously.
1: The new Vanquish podcast as well.
0: Yay. Awesome. (laughs) It has been so awesome to have you on the podcast, Jeevan. And for everyone listening, I'm sure you learned so much that you can apply to your holistic fitness journey. Until next time, eat well, move well, breathe well.